In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of The Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to The Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. It's Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Jared Saltalamacchia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. I am so looking forward to... You guys being like the talk of the town at winter weekend. I don't care what happens. It's, oh, my, did you see the play Tessie guys are here? You see them? Yeah, and no one's going to be talking to Tom Werner or anything. It's going to be have, all have, us. So far, the only person, unless I'm wrong, the only person who has uh, been requested to take a photo because of their fame off this podcast is Pat, right? Correct. I was asked, yeah, I was asked if I was uh, Pat from Who Says No at the Savannah Bananas game at Dunkin' Donuts Park in Hartford, Connecticut. I think it's well, pretty clear that Pat's like the fan favorite on the show. He gets all the nice comments on Twitter. He gets recognized in person. He's the only one who doesn't sound like everybody else. It's like the mound <laughs> show. In it's fairness, so people think he's, he's Nick Seriani. So, yeah. God damn it. Not now, Rob. <laughs> Wait, Nick Sirianni, he kind of looks like Nick Cage. So that kind of means that Pat, by proxy, you look like oh, Nick Cage. Congrats. There you go. But I will say, so the, all of that changes this weekend. All of it changes. Everybody, you guys, you're going to have to wear costumes because it's everyone's going to want to take a picture, not only with you guys individually, but as a group. Holy mackerel. It's going to be so good. It's going to be great. You know, Rob, I'm having second thoughts about it. it like the whole talking to all these people, it's a little overwhelming to me. I, I think I just had a scheduling conflict, so yeah. I might I might not be able to go anymore. Well, but you, you guys can, can take the load for me, okay? If you guys can go Cardo, it's- face the crowd, face the music. I'll just be at home, like be drinking mojitos by on the couch, just watching the streams of whatever's going on. You guys can take it for me. It's, Thank it's you. expensive to have winter weekend, Gordo. So I understand. And and you know how what solves all problems? Pulling levers. When when in doubt, just pull some levers. Yeah. Let's go. All the levers. You know, you come for so, the full throttle, but you stay for the lever pulling. Great. Can I, can I tell you? We all need a lever pulling show. small. And I rented a car, like a cheap car in Fort Myers. And he got in the car and he said, and he looked at the door. He said, what are these levers? It was the window crank because, you know, you don't understand kids. So, and that's what, that's, I I felt like he was ahead of his time. I should have made the t-shirts right then and there. What, what are the levers? What are the levers? Yeah. I don't even know. Just, I don't even know what to make of the lever. Is that a is that a lesser throttle? Like what? How big's the lever? It's the same thing, isn't it? No. I I just like I Levers. read the article and I. You go, Rob. You go. No, no. A throttle is you push the button, and a bunch of flames comes out of the exhaust, and you take off, and along the way, uh, Yamamoto jumps in the car, so. 
levers are you can do a lot of different things there. You could like there's there's a lot of different things, and some are subtle, some aren't so subtle, some actually don't even work. So there's a lot of levers that you can pull. I listen. I know levers, and I can <laughs> tell you, I if there's one thing in this world that I know, it is how how fickle the art of of pulling levers can be. There's no there's no rhyme or reason. So like I said, some work, some don't. Some it's like going to a carnival when you're popping the balloons. Some don't. Some don't. You're right. Some levers don't work. A lot of levers actually don't work. More than you. But hold on, but hold on. He said, "I'm looking at the quote right now." He said that they were going to pull all the levers. He said we're going to be pressing all levers to improve the team. If he's pressing all levers, doesn't that doesn't that mean the big money lever isn't that included in the levers? Or I guess it could be broken. I would like yeah, it's it's been broken for two years. I don't know how many levers he's got left to pull, but uh, yes, they they never wanted to fix it. It's been gone. As time goes on, we're just getting older and older technology. First, it was a throttle. Then it was a lever. Next week, it's going to be a pulley. It's going to be, it's a mess. We're rolling the wheel in every direction. Like, I do something, please. We need a crank. We need a crank. Slow. Yeah. <laughs> Enough with the like analogy. Wheeling... Do something, please. Like the old style. You're like raising the American flag up the pole. That is the it's Red gonna... Sox. Are you saying it's going to be like, you know what it's going to be? It's going to be like a medieval catapult. It is like, <laughs> oh god, yeah, yeah. The Red Sox instead of having like a t-shirt cannon, they're gonna have a t-shirt trebuchet and just launch cheap t-shirts. They're gonna be cheap. They're only gonna be size XL, <laughs> yeah. one size. Sorry guys, we don't have XL. It's too big. You can wear it as a sleeping shirt. But go socks. They're gonna they're gonna have they, all their caps. They're gonna be the only team with adjustable caps. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> and Do you with, remember? Uh, the Oakland A's used to do that with the Oakland A's in their team headshots. They all had the Velcro hat. Yeah, well, they had the what? spring training sometimes they do it. Like you saw Jake Berger, you know, they have the the hats with the mesh and they get the really bad sunburns. Oh, yeah. The Red Sox are just going to carry that over to the year. So bad. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. The other, the other part of the – while we're on Tom Werner, and this is all from Sean McAdam of Mass Lives article, he he talked about Yamamoto too, and I'll, I'll read the quote. He said, we felt very strongly that we were going to compete for Yamamoto services, but in the end, he went to another team. We felt, but we felt we're in the mix and we were going to be competitive. I don't know. They, they thought they were going to get, I can't, and then he starts spilling on about how they didn't like last year's team, whatever. We get it. They stunk. They, it just feels to me like it was Yamamoto or bust and there was no plan B. And at the start of the offseason, we were all reading articles. Oh, yeah, he's probably going to you know, maybe touch 200 million. And then and then slowly but surely, like by the winter meetings, it was like, oh, maybe he's going to like approach 275, 300. And then all of a sudden the total commitments 375. I don't know. To me, and I'm curious to hear your guys takes on this, but to me, it felt like it was Yamamoto or bust. And I think it says a lot that they never leaked the offer. And if, even if after this, he never plan, leaked it. If their plan is Yamamoto or bust, they're insane. That was always a very, very low chance. That's a crazy, crazy plan. And you might be right, Gordo. That's awful way to operate. I can't believe. And It's a bad tell plan. Me, tell me if I'm crazy or not. Right now, as things stand, if they sign Justin Turner and Jordan Montgomery, they'll be good. 
They're not gonna win the World Series, but they'll be solid. That's it's that's what's frustrating. It's so easy. It's it's not that far away from being a I'm not saying a World Series competitor, a watchable, good team that every night you feel like, okay, we got a shot to win. We have five starting pitchers. Imagine that. And we have a full lineup with a number three hitter, a real one, like Justin Turner. It's just it's so simple. It feels so incredibly simple from the outside. I don't know what I'm missing. It feels like I'm taking crazy pills. Yeah, no, you're, I think you're right. my biggest gripe is like they just keep hounding on like we're in on Yamamoto. We felt like we were in on Yamamoto. It's not a coincidence that the Mets, Yankees, and Dodgers offers all came out and the Red Sox did not. I think that they went into the offseason with like this because projected he was supposed to be like high hundreds maybe low to mid 200s if that's where the offer maxed out and they felt good about that they should be ashamed they should not let that out but if they really thought that they were competitive i feel like they would have had that number out there somewhere even Whether the phillies offered 300 million hey also yeah. the uh, phillies hey credit credit to the uh play testy crew all of us, way before the uh, bidding for Yamamoto started, we all said that we thought it would go upwards of three hundred million. So, great job, guys! Nice shoot. That's true. Up. We were on that, Sammy. I re- I remember that episode too. You you started that one. We were like back then. It was still in the two hundred territory, and you were you were saying why is it only two hundred? Yeah, so based on all we know, why is it that low? Yeah, but I don't think it takes a genius to know that. But thank you, I appreciate it. Still, no, but you're you're right, Sammy, about. About your uh, about your assessment that literally like they are because I remember at the beginning of the offseason, like we said, you need two starting pitchers that are better than Bayo. They have to figure out DH. And like if they do those things well, then like we can kind of make do with whatever the second base situation is. And like here we are and we're just like get one starting pitcher and like you don't even have to upgrade DH and like we'll be like like it's we just we keep yeah. going down and- little tier by tier month like week by week. We start lowering our expectations more and more and more. Until we're just like a pit of dust by the end of the do- of, yeah, of Gordo, the and, and the scary part, we talked about pitching all offseason. They still need a number three hitter like we discussed. And I'm seeing everyone talking, Solaire, great fit. Sw- his swing is perfect for Fenway. I know everyone says that about every right-hander. Solaire's different. I listed all the reasons today on Twitter. Hoskins might take a one-year deal after missing an entire season. Maybe he'll take two. You got Justin Turner, who was awesome last year. And still... Now we're seeing people talk themselves into Adam Duvall, who I like, but I like him in Tyler O'Neill's role, not in Justin Turner's three-hole role. Randall Grichuk, who's like a platoon guy. CJ Crone, who hasn't played in a year. Stop. It's so, like the standard just drops lower and lower and lower. Tommy Pham. No, stop. No, you're done. You're done. Stop. It's crazy. Stop. These guys who would be good if you needed a a seventh-hole guy. And we're talking about him for a three-hole in the middle of Raphael Devers' prime, by the way. You're punting a year. like mm, So now we have to worry about the hitting, too, which we didn't think we'd have to because it's such an easy fix. Ah, Rob, Rob can, I, can I ask you a question, Rob? You and I feel like I feel like people have been kind of dancing around this all offseason and kind of just like assuming that, I don't know, maybe people have their own theories. I'm curious, why do you think we haven't heard anything about the Red Sox and Reese Hoskins. Why is that not a thing? Uh, what? Because we haven't heard about the Red Sox and anybody. I mean, we, we heard about the Red Sox and Tiarsker and Hernandez. And then, you know, that was, it, supposedly that was a done deal, I think, at one night. 
And then he signs, and then all of a sudden, an hour later, you hear about the Red Sox and Jorge Soler, and that sort of has gone out the window. I mean, we've heard drips and drabs of everybody. But when you ask about the Red Sox and Reese Hoskins, I think it just falls under the, yeah, sure, they might have interest, but they have a lot of teams have interest. So when you say that, it's, I don't, unless you, I haven't heard anything saying, no, absolutely, there no, there's no interest. Even when, like, let's be honest, initially there was some reports, I think, that said the Red Sox don't have interest in Blake Snell. Well, that wasn't true. It, it probably isn't true. Do, do I think they're going to get him? No. But I think that a guy like Hoskins falls under, just like you heard with Turner, right? They're keeping in touch with Turner. Well, by the way, which is my least favorite thing, because it reminds me of Schwarber. We're keeping yes. in touch with Schwarber. Yeah. And then you find out that the Phillies signed him for twice as much as the Red Sox were offering. <laughs> so I hate the keeping in touch thing. It's like, it's remember Vasquez was the same. We're keeping in touch with Vasquez. And so here's the thing, guys, is that, you know, I, I, I don't, I, my take isn't necessarily what people want to hear. Um, because I think that with Yamamoto, I think that there is no semblance of sanity that would suggest that if the Red Sox ever thought if as, as ridiculous as the full throttle comment was, the Red Sox are insinuating that they were in on Yamamoto. They know that they would have had to make a rep- representative offer, which is around $300 million. They know that. And they know that ultimately it will come out. Like with Bogarts, they had the crutch they had to lean on was that the Padres made this 11-year deal that nobody else was going to match. But with Yamamoto, I do feel like it's like Devers. Like they allocated the money to Devers. That's fine. They have the money. But my biggest problem is that whenever, and I've said this numerous times over the last whatever, I might have said it to you the other day, Gordo, that for years upon years upon years, when they wanted a guy, that they really wanted a guy, they were going to get him. That was it. They were going to get him. That has come and gone, I mean, so far, not even close. And, And by the way, if you're the Red Sox, you have to pay more now than you ever have. Because even though Sam Kennedy won't say it and Breslow won't say it, I'm sorry, it's not the destination of these other places these places people are going to. It's not. So you got to pay more. That's all right. It's the cost of doing business. It's like Zach Eflin. You can't pay him the same as Tampa because of taxes and because he lives in Orlando. Sometimes you just have to pay more. And they would always pay more. That's the problem. Is that Now, I don't know if... After Yamamoto, if there's a guy that they say, this is the guy that we absolutely feel like is the perfect fit. If there is that guy, whether it's a trade or whether it's free agency, then do what you have to do to get him. It's I it's the Dombrowski way of doing things. It just is. And and I'll come the last thing I'll say, I'll come back to it. What I tweeted, which was you need the whole thing that they came out about the, the the with Breslow and Werner about our we understand that this is this is the uh, the youth is this is the important thing we're building we're building we're building it doesn't work unless you have the 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 certain guys the guys that you're investing in and I'm not talking about Devers and I'm not talking about Trevor Story I'm not talking about those guys I'm the 
look at history. Look at history in this town. 2013, 2007, 2013, 2018, you have young players, sure. But what else did you have? You had David Ortiz. You had Dust Madroya. You had John Lester. You had, uh, and then you had Sale. You had Price. You had um, JD. J- well, going back, JD. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. I always default to JD Drew. So. <laughs> 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 JD Drew discourse recently has been too much. I know, I know. Can we get? Hold on, let me get Papa Ball. Let me patch him in. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but that's how it works. You cannot. The Orioles thing is, yeah. If you want to wait, if you want to get, you cannot lean on the Orioles' way of doing things, and you can't lean on the way the Rays are doing things. But they didn't Remember, do that either. They didn't. No, no, they I didn't know. But, these but, guys. but here's, here's here's the thing. Here's one of the things about. Both, I mean, other, you have, first of all, you can't do that in this market. You can't. You just can't. Everyone knows you can't. You can't do a five-year build. You can't do it. And the bigger part of that is that with those teams, you had bona fide superstars as your young players. We don't know if they have that. We don't. We we. I mean, you have these guys who you think are going to be good, but – are there a Wander Franco's? Oh, I know, you know, whatever. Erase that. Corbin so the one Franco's. Are there Jackson <laughs> Holidays? Are there the Shane McClanahan's? Are there the um, uh, Rushmans? You know, go down the list. Like, are there those guys right now as we sit here? We don't know that. So while you're figuring that out, you need the guys, and we aren't even getting into the guys. The other part of it which is nobody's talking about what this clubhouse is looking like, about what the dynamic of the team is looking like. Like, nobody's talking about that. And so I say all of this, and I I kind of blew through the the opening statement, which is, yes, it's frustrating. But there is still time for this to happen. And I can't believe, I cannot believe that Craig Breslow will not, do something to A, make a big move, whether it's trade, whatever, free agency, whatever. I can't believe that won't happen. And B, address what I just talked about, which is, you know, going in, if you had this clubhouse right now, it would be not bad, got good guys. But, you know, this would be as Trevor Story's having a, a infielder camp that's not his personality to be the guy get on the stool in the middle of the room guy. Neither is Rafi, who everyone for some no, reason. No, of course, but he's... that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, Turner was that guy. You want to trade exactly. Kenley? Okay, he was. He is that guy. Uh, Verdugo was trying to be. He, you know, he was in his own way sometimes brought energy. So wrong. But, you know, and even then it was lacking, and because Turner had to take up so much of that mantle because Devers isn't that guy. And now, what are you left with? You you you're left you aren't left with any semblance of it. Which once again, I can't imagine that these very smart people who I've known for a long time don't understand this. So, what I'm saying is, go ahead. No, Cor, I mean no. Corey, everybody knows that Cora isn't making the deals. He wasn't making the deals with Bloom, and he's not making the deals now. And and and. The players like playing for them, and they also, when you ask the players this, they'll be like, we're good. We're fine. It's all good. 
because that's how clubhouses and players are. They, they all, especially early in spring training, it's always the optimistic view of everything, everything, you know, it's best shape of our life season, but you know, you look at, you have to, you have to get guys. For instance, I remember, um, Mike Hazen saying this last spring training, talking about they got Evan Longoria, right? So he said that there are just some messages. There are just some things that have to be delivered in the clubhouse by the players that a coach, a manager, a front office guy can't do. It's just how it is. That's what the dynamic is. And so, and that's how it's always been with the Red Sox, by the way. But right now, the way that I look at it, there's there's definitely a void. And you talk about, Coop, you talk about an ace. This is another problem, is that when you have these guys, not only don't you know that you have these, these, these players, these young players that you're counting on exactly what they're going to be, but Brian Bayo and Tristan Cassis and all these guys shouldn't be expected to be the stars in 2024. They should be what... Uh, what Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts, or I mean, you know, or, or Rafi Devers, that's a better example. What Rafi Devers and Andrew Benintendi were in 2018. That's what they should be like. Yes, complimentary. They, they, you can't yes. rely on, especially people are talking about now, uh, they're going to wait for Anthony Meyer and Teal to come up. That's an insane amount of pressure to put on kids who aren't even in friggin' AAA yet. And people are like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's a smart thing to do. That's what the Orioles do. I don't want to be the Orioles. Like you said, it's not even, it's not even just about the pressure. It's, it's a, it's a four, like, it's not just one of these guys that needs to be the guy. If you're, if you're going to go this route and you're going to, you're going to say, this is the future. We're going to build around that when it's here. Like we're looking towards Meyer, Teal, Anthony, you're relying on all of these guys. And Breslow said it to, to Pete Abe today. He said it. Like to not just be big leaguers, but to be impact big leaguers, and and I'll take it a step further. If you're gonna rely on these guys, it's gotta, like it's it's gotta be super impact. If that's if that's if you're gonna build it like you're a small market team, and you're gonna wait for these guys to come up and then get supplementary pieces to build around those guys, those guys have to be your stars then. Yeah, and, and that's a lot Boston. to ask. It's in Boston too. You're not in Kansas City. Every you're under a microscope twenty four seven here. It's one of the hardest markets to play in in the country. Because of people like us who talk about it all the time, we're always on you. So I just I think that's absolutely crazy to rely on. When one you thing that's, especially, one thing that stuck out to me today was just comparatively speaking, Craig Breslow during one of his first media availabilities after he got hired was really pining on you have to be uncomfortable making trades, like you have to be willing to take a risk. He made sure to note about the incredible amount of like position player depth that we have seemed like no one was off the table. That's kind of what people around the league thought initially media members, whatever. Then today he said, all right, we're going to develop from within. It's a continuation. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. I, I understand a sustainable young core. Cause we've seen it before. Like you, you kind of go all out. You're good for two or three years and you suck. You have no pitching. Never mind in the major league level. In the minors, there is not one single soul in that minor league system that will help that rotation within the next two to three years. 
how are you just content sitting on position player prospects when you have more than you can play and just waiting? I like, like Rob, maybe you can chime in. Were they ever like pondering the thought of moving some of these guys? Or was that just like, Oh, if like we can get rid of like Nick York as opposed to Meyer, Anthony Teal, Blaze, whatever. No, I mean, I think, I think that this is, this is one of the knocks on Heim, right? That he wasn't yeah. willing to move on from them. Even Nick York, a guy who positionally is a duplicate, we think is a duplicate, especially now that you've, you know, allocated the resources to Vaughn Grissom, is a duplicate at the position that he plays. And and a lot of this might be posturing and leveraging and everything else. But it's a good point. And, and the, the reality, guys, let's take a step back. The beginning of the offseason – they said, what did they, the two things that they had to get better at? Starting Improve. pitching and defense. Pitching and defense. They've gotten worse. Yep. As we sit here, they've gotten worse. And that's why I say, like, I just think Breslow's too smart a guy to land where everyone, like, is panicking he might land and understanding that it's, if this is going to get, that you're going to land at a place where you're worse, where you said that you were going to be better. I, I have I really have a hard time believing that. And one of the interesting things, you know, we just had on uh, Brandon Gomes, a GM of the Dodgers on Baseballs and Boring, and he, he just said that really quick comment. I said to him, I'm like, did you see this? Do you think executives saw this coming and this offseason coming? And he just said, well, I think that the uh, there's some trades on the table that – are making difficult, I'm paraphrasing, but are making decision, free agent decisions a lot more difficult. So where the, the, these trades that people are weighing, should we do the trades and allocate the resources or should, or should we go this way? And to me, like that screamed Red Sox. Like when he said that, that was screaming exactly what he probably is the, the, the things on the two shoulders of Craig Breslow right now. I have a question for everybody. <clears throat> Do we think Breslow has any sort of regret taking this job with how the uh, atmosphere around the Red Sox is right now? I feel like it's early. Even even if this first year completely sucks. But I think in terms of Craig like re- regretting it, I don't think he does. I think he kind of knew all right, if this doesn't happen and this doesn't happen, it's going to suck for a bit, but this will happen. Like, I think he's uh, smart enough and coordinated and strategic enough where even though things suck at times, I do think, like Gordo said, like he has some kind of plan and is kind of willing to go through the suck to get there. Like, think about it. Like, their main, who knows if there's a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of are they going to spend money? And like, I like to think that that's not, that door's not, like forever shut or anything. But even if it is, there is a light at the end of the tunnel in terms of the Red Sox being competitive. Like they, it's not like when, when Haim came here, there was like a, a team at the big league level that, that should have been good, but it wasn't good the, in the year before. And they had nothing coming from the farm system. So like if Breslow were in that situation where nothing was coming, then I would understand if it's like, sh- like how am I going to get the, to this team competitive within a couple of years like i have no idea how i'm going to do this but with breslow i feel like even if even if you're not going to please fans now like there is definitely a path to a competitive ball club within if you if you want to look at like a two three-year plan like easy it's just a matter of can you do it now 
we want it now. But that may not be how he's looking at it. Well, I, I think that was it you, Pat, who surfaced who surfaced the comment from Breslow earlier in the offseason about he understands that you have to be uncomfortable, right? Yeah, you have to right. be uncomfortable yeah. trades. Again, this was this is not only knock on sort of when Heim was here, but but a knock on a lot of GMs, these younger GMs, they have to win the trade by 80%. And so when I heard that comment from Breslow, I'm like, all right, there you go. Like, that's what we're talking about. That's what you're, that's what you have to do. And I'm not talking about for do go for younger players, or I'm not talking about sale. That's not uncomfortable. What's ultimately what's going to be uncomfortable is when you trade one of these guys who you feel like might be part of the, the, the foundation of the future for someone for two or three years, whether it's, uh, whoever it is, Corbin Burns or, or Dylan Cease or whoever it is. But I find it really, really hard to believe, once again, that you're going to land in February 12th and that there won't be something significant on this roster that's not there now. And I know the ownership probably is like, oh, if you're going to do it, you better do it. Can you do it now? Because we got Winter Weekend coming up. That'd be super, you know? But I don't think Breslow thinks that way or works that way. And if, hey, listen, if you get to that, if you get to that point in February and you do end up here with uh, with Justin Turner or no knock on Justin Turner was the best player last year. But with, you know, something along those lines, a complimentary guy, and that's it, then then you didn't do what you, you needed to do. And there, there should be more things to look into. That there was at then there was absolutely a problem with how either they approached the offseason or they judged the offseason. Because that's another part of this. Rob, can I get your thoughts? I'm completely obsessed with Jorge Soler at this point. Rumor is he wants three years, but he would take two, maybe. And apparently he loves Boston and likes the idea of playing for the Red Sox, <clears throat> kind of like Teoscar did. Same what do you think that? I feel like this is the biggest no-brainer. If you're not going to get Justin Turner back, who I'd be thrilled with as well, why would you not sign this guy for two years, maybe overpay a little bit to get him to sign? It's it's. So, can you imagine that guy between Devers and Casas? Well, again, it comes back to, yeah, and I don't disagree. And it comes back to, at some point, you have to say, this is the perfect fit, and we're going to get him. We're, we're going to get him. We're going to, this is... And if it gets into an uncomfortable bidding war, so be it. But we need to get that guy because if we don't get the guy, the drop off is going to be this. And, and that's what drives me nuts. It drives me nuts. It's, it's everyone craps on Dombrowski, but it's a proven, if you have the, any semblance of resources, it's the proven way to go. Even for teams like Kansas city, if, you know, they identify, hey, you know what, for our budget, for the guy that we want, Michael Walker is that guy. Well, they went out and they got him, yeah. right? Lugo. Seth Lugo, they got him. Like, because they said that level of pitcher financially is a perfect fit. This is what we're going to prioritize. We're going to go as, as aggressive as we can. And the Red Sox... It doesn't seem like they're saying we're going as 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 aggressive as we can because if they were going to go as as aggressive as they can, you know, 
Maybe Yamamoto's a different story. I don't know. They're, well, this they're is the way it's been. Like the way that the Red Sox are operating is the way that Tom Werner sounds when he talks. Just, just not. But Sammy, this is, this is what they've done for years, and and I'm not even saying that it's been bad in all cases because like it's just for years it's felt like they let the market come to them, and that can be good sometimes. Like if you're able to get a guy like Justin Turner on a one year deal and he performs like he did last year, like by all means, that's awesome. But JD, JD Martinez, when, that's how they got yeah, him. JD here's here's the thing, Gordo. But and no, but with point. other there's other guys. But like with Story, you you had what was they had there was like four shortstops on the market that year, including Corey Seager. Yeah. And they let the market come to them. And this is it's not meant to be a knock on Trevor's story. It's more so like a Holy crap, look at what you could have had if you were just a little bit aggressive and went and got the guy instead of just letting the market come to you. Because if but, you let the market the, come to you, you get guys pro- that teams don't want. But the problem is, is that you have to, I would imagine that there are guys who they say, this is a really good fit, right? This is, I, maybe they thought that was Trevor's story. But those guys, other there's a lot of other teams that need the same thing the Red Sox. And Breslow talks about this, about, about the, the market for pitching, how everybody wants pitching. Well, you you had to read that. Like, you should have understood that. This is like, give St. Louis credit. You know, they, they went after those guys early, early. Now, when you say having the market come to you, it's a lot different when it's a situation like J.D. Martinez, where that was truly, all right, J.D., where else are you going to go? They you read know? it perfectly. They read it perfectly. But do you feel like they're reading this perfect? Maybe they no. are. Maybe we'll find out they are. But do you feel like they're reading this perfectly right now? No, and it doesn't feel like it's been like that for years. It had, it just it's felt like we've seen it in past off seasons too. It like and they'll they'll express all this interest and in like maybe maybe that's their strategy like we're going to have interest in all these guys and whatever comes to us comes to us, but it's just felt like these guys like the Teoscar Hernandez this offseason, you hear these quotes and it's like, oh my God, the Red Sox love this guy. And then, what, he goes for a year. And like, I get it, you overpay for a year. Like 23 and a half is a lot per year for Teoscar. But if it's on one year, like my mindset on that is who gives a crap? It just is, It's I don't know. I just feel like you you end up, like last year with the starting pitching, you end up, you're interested in all these all these guys and then you end up with Corey Kluber because you, you waited and, you know, they you went and got Jansen, so they took you out on the, of the Evaldi market. You were gonna like let that play out, and it didn't. And then, it, and you ended up with Corey Kluber because of it. Like, if if you want to play at the top for the top guys, that just can't be your strategy. Because if then you're gonna get like the worst of the top guys, and if a guy is getting big money but not huge money, chances are there's a reason for that. And you saw it, you see it all the time. Like Javi Baez, like these guys who get into like the mid hundreds. Like if that's if that's you're playing a dangerous game if yeah, that is guys, your biggest guys I think what I think all here's my prediction what it's ultimately going to come down to is that forget about you know the free agency are they going to get Jordan Montgomery I think Texas will get Jordan Montgomery you know Snell will probably stay somewhere you know on the West Coast you know probably and by the way like him linking up with Chandler Jones didn't make him any money did you see yeah, that that was wild wait Blake Snell and Chandler Jones. Yeah, Chandler yeah. Jones and then a bunch of UFC fighters. Yeah. Random. Yeah. Okay. Hang out with John. Okay. okay. So, okay. so 
what I think is going to happen ultimately, it's going to come down to what we said before. How uncomfortable are you going to get when it comes to trading guys? And you know, we focus on Marcelo Meyer, Teal, Anthony, right? Fine. Hold on to them. Fine. But you got to be willing to trade some of these other guys. Including do you think they'll do that? What? Is that like, do you, do you think they're willing to do that? Because I told, I totally respect them wanting to hold on to those big three. I don't think you really make much progress yeah, if you, you know trade what? those because three. But there should be a deal to be had. You have so much other depth elsewhere and good well, prospects. They're well, not, they're not yeah, top you, tier. Gordo, they're good Gordo you say that. You say that, Gordo. But do they? Like we're we keep talking together? about we keep talking about this this unbelievable farm system, and the thing is, is that yeah, it's it's deeper, it's got more players in it who are going to make the major leagues. But I'll come back to the dynamic of comparing a Baltimore, or Tampa, or something else. Like where? So who are the stars? There's a reason why the Yankees were willing to were able to make two significant trades by trading a crap load of minor league pitchers. You know why? Because they have a crap load of minor league pitchers who teams actually think are going to be legitimate major leaguers. The Red Sox, even a guy like Sedan Rafaela, right? Sedan Rafaela, I think he's going to be a major league player. Is he going to be a star? I mean, I don't think teams think he's going to be a star. So if, if teams don't think he's going to be a star, then that's a tougher trade to make for a guy like Dylan Cease. It well, just that's is. If you're, that's if you're in those waters. Because you're right, Rob. If you're, if you're going after a Dylan Cease, you're not getting that without a headliner. And you have three headliner-type prospects if you're dealing from, from the farm. Obviously, if you want to go to the bigs, you, you've got Casas and Bayo. Teams would take that as a headliner, too. But I don't think they necessarily need to... Like They can improve the roster without... Get, like I, I and I, I yes they are an ace away from legitimate contention but you can put a good team on the field if you have five mid rotation or better starters like what like what, what what if they traded for like Patrick Sandoval he's okay he's a so solid mid rotation guy and you can get a guy like that if the Angels are willing to part with him without one of these headliner prospects and he's got three years of control there's tons of Edward. guys like that out there Edward, Edward has another Edward. one it's a project I mean there's so project. many of these guys. It's, yeah, that's why it's so frustrating because there's so many things, so many equations we can do in our head that we think make sense and none of them are happening. And thank God that right now, this day, January 16th, while we're recording, there's still a decent amount of time left in the offseason. Not a lot. You, but you know what they're doing? Pa they're going to have Jonathan Pavelbaugh announce a trade on the stage on Friday night. I would cry. That that's, that's how you get the applause. You, you get the fans on your side. I want to vent to Pap. I feel like that would make me feel a lot better if I could just yell and Pap would be like, uh-huh, you're right. That would be good, very therapeutic. Right, we should all do that. Just yell and Pap can listen and be like, you guys are right. I'm validating you guys. Pap, right. Pap is definitely, he could have had a career in therapy if he, uh, if he, didn't, if he didn't pitch. He could, have been like, he could have been like a psychiatrist, psychologist, therapist. I don't, could, be, could have been any of that. Just Pat, yeah, he just diagnoses dirt, this. rub some dirt on it. Just bring up Alex Verdugo and JD Drew and just let them go. <laughs> just let them go at it. That was so yeah, that was great, man. I love. You'll Pat. be talking to him about your problems. And he'll be like, "Yeah, man." So it's like one time with JD Drew. Like, oh, I got to tell you, like, it's relatable. 
You know what the thing is with Pap is that it's gotten to the point where, like, when he first emerged, I remember Coop probably remembers this too because it was like we were shacking up together at the All Star game. Pap all of a sudden, like, comes out of nowhere and appears on Twitter after being like nowhere, right? And then he starts doing his stuff, including the video with him and his son cutting the machete with the chicken and the beer. And, <laughs> and we're like, oh, can you believe what Pap did? Oh, can you believe it? And now, like, he does stuff. And you're like, okay. I mean, I re- he went on, he went on uh, with us when the Ortiz uh, Cannabis Company came out and just talked about how he was, like, constantly high. You know, like, like when he went to Fenway. So it's... It's, I think that's, it's good because, you know, we want entertainment and I, it's, I, I don't know if the Red Sox fully understand what they're getting in for. I don't think they do. There's no way. Oh, there you go. Oh, (laughs) I got some. It's good. The the poppy, uh, was it the poppy sluggers? I got the poppy infused sweet slugger. I've got about half left. Thank you. Big poppy. It's good. Here you go. Got it from Maine. No uh, I started, this is so weird. I started eating pickles because of Papelbon because on Nessun, they did a thing about how like him and his significant other like made pickles at home. And then I was like, what was this? This is like 2007 or something. And I was like, I want to be cool. Like Jonathan Papelbon. And my mom got, like a jar of pickles. And I was like, I don't really like that. You know what? You know, this is, so when they talk about, so this is going to be taped on Nassim, I think. Um, and Taped and cut. Yeah. Well, you know, last year was a little bit of edits, but it's oh, just a little bit. But, it, but it, remi- bit. It, it reminds me the ultimate one was the event where Nassim set up the cameras and then it started and they just they were tearing down the cameras. We're not doing this. And that was the David Ortiz roast at the House of Blues. <laughs> it was that thing was so off the. I mean, oh my! It was. It started, and it. <laughs> literally, they're like they're packing up the cameras. Like this, this isn't happening. This isn't happening. What could go wrong? No, Nothing. but. Yeah, so so that's gonna happen. I don't know if it'll happen to that degree, but it's uh, but I mean, we already saw like Pap on the pregame show. I mean, this is a thing. Like he was ripping the organization all over the place. That's what we talked about. Uh, I think two episodes ago, one yeah. or two episodes ago. Like of all the guys to pick, Papelbon's like the one guy I could see going rogue and just ripping them to shreds. Which I would, I'd probably cry tears of joy if that happened. That would be poetic. Yeah, well, we should also uh, film, film the uh, whatever this is called the show in case Nesson cuts it. So we'll have our own little yeah. Oh, so so what's the deal with Winter Weekend? What's what's the play Tessie plans? What's going on? Um, I got my ticket. I'm going with my my same buddy from last year, my old college roommate. We're gonna we got a room. We're kind of just planning to go with the flow. Get there. Grab a drink, not as many as last year, and enjoy. Not as many. No. Not as many as last year. Yeah, no, we need to find. Tra- 
I'm you gonna we need to find Chris year. Henrique. He's Chris. He's, Chris Henrique is already like subtly. He's is Chris Henrique. I'm is going. I'm, I'm turning it up a notch. Yeah, yeah he, he's like, Henrique's already pre-gaming. Yeah, I'm scared oh, of Henrique. This by the year. way, are we are we convinced that we're pronouncing Chris's name correctly, or is this like another case of uh, Louis of, Robert? Uh, Louis Robert. <laughs> <laughs> it's my boy. So, oh, by the way, hold on. Drove, I've actually been wondering this, and I. I vowed not to ask him because I wanted to figure it out on my own. And I heard, I was listening to Ed Hand and Andrew Parker's podcast and they mentioned him by name and Parker said Henrique. So if it's, right. if Parker's saying Henrique, it's gotta be. You guys never right? watch, he would know. There's always Henriques in hockey. Same spelling. Adam Henrique on the Anaheim Ducks. But by the way, I dropped a Louis Robert on Dylan Cease the other day. How do you respond to that? He's, yeah, what did he say? I, I think it's going to be a thing. I think it's this. It's going to be throughout the clubhouse now. He just laughed. I'm any, being felt nationally. Hey, uh, any, well, um, any traction on uh, Cease and Reese? Cease. Oh, Cease and Reese Green? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. We've already had that episode. In case people don't know, Reese Green... Uh, one of the hosts of Baseballs and Boring, stand-up comic, former Czechoslovakia's uh, professional <laughs> baseball player. Swinging a miss. Czechoslovakia. <laughs> he, I thought it was going to be like a recurring show where Dylan Cease and Reese just – that's so – that's great. Well, consider, considering they talked about Frisbee golf for 50 minutes last time, I think there's only – as much as I love a good disc golf conversation – it, it, it's it, it is the season Reese is tempting. Like I said, I've told this story before where I literally did the co- the podcast with Felix Dubrant and Ruby Delarosa for the sole reason because I want the title Ruby Doobie Show. And they, <laughs> they, they barely spoke English. Ruby Delarosa. Ruby oh my God. I thought I that guy be... was going to be so freaking good. I was so, I was obsessed with Ruby. Yeah. Pedro, the Pedro scouting reports have never recovered. From him saying that Ruby Delarosa was the next Clemens. Was also very disappointed when I learned his name wasn't Ruby. I liked it better as Ruby. Yeah. I liked it better that way. Two Bs. How could it not be Ruby? Uh, Rob, I got another question for you. And it's about, sorry to take this light conversation away and make it sad again. When it comes to to ownership, do they... Do they hear us? Like, do they do they hear how upset the fan base is? Like, does that just go in one ear and out the other? Because that's no, no, heard. No, of course. Why do you think when they traded Mookie Betts, they were talking about college ticket prices uh, packages like halfway through the press conference? So that 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 is what is shocking about this because. The narrative and the the prevailing thought when Heim was fired was, you know, you are creeping toward apathy. And you had, you know, it's been cited a lot, like the 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 parade, the Dodgers parade, the dollar tickets and everything else. So you gotta do something to get the fan base back. But, you know, as we sit here, I don't know if you know this, it hasn't happened. It's gone it's gone the wrong way. So, yeah. Rob, I have a question too, actually. All right. When, so let's say. You no want to do, the... you want to do 10 pull-ups, 10, four sets of 10. A little front rows. Upright rows. Or you can superset 
with dumbbells, do the seven, seven, seven. If you really want a shoulder burn. A little Tyler O'Neill advice? <laughs> I'm just saying, listen, I'm not, I'm not saying that he may or may not be showing up a winter weekend in a base in a extra small baseballs and boring shirt. Hell yeah. But he, yeah, there you go. Anyway, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, so like, let's say hypothetically, you seem pretty convinced that it won't happen, but let's say it does. Do you go with Brian Bayo or Chris Murphy as the opening day starter? Or who say it again? Chris Murphy. <laughs> I, be- I believe in Chris Murphy. I do too. I make it a point to say that name every single podcast. That's Pat's guy. I feel really bad. I had like a meltdown on Twitter last year about him, and I I, I want to take it all back. I, he seems like a good dude. I don't know. He seems a little more. Uh, Have you not had him on the podcast yet? Nobody wants yeah. to talk to us. How did you yeah. melt down about Chris Murphy? Seems because so... they kept they kept running him out there for like way too long, and you could tell he yeah. was burnt out. And and I was like, get him off the fucking mat. <laughs> Like it mattered last year. He but. seems a little more responsive to feedback than uh, a former reliever who might have thrown a hundred. Stunk. <laughs> you know, yeah. His name might have rhymed with Caleb Ort. Oh. <laughs> I like Caleb Ort. You I got like me Caleb. there, Pat. You got me there. <laughs> I was like, what's he going to pick? Yeah. Chris Murphy's my guy. I thought you were talking about Joe Kelly. <laughs> no. Oh. <laughs> I was ready to come through this camera and kill you. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, no, Chris Murphy always – I think, first of all, I thought he was a great story last year because yeah. he wasn't expected to make the team. And now he's going to be the opening day starter. I know. So there you go. Good story. And he uh, should be on the podcast. What do you – I mean, that's – again, this is the embarrassment of riches, you guys, are with your cachet at Winter Weekend. Who – you got it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. It's the play Tessie so brand is never gonna be hotter. I'm uh, like, down on the Chris up. Murphy. Hmm? Pat, we're you gonna Chris okay, Murphy? let's make that happen. Let's we gotta get Pat like one of those uh we need a a picture of Pat and Chris Murphy, like both like handshake, handshake, looking at the camera, not like a like a half smile, like kind of like, yeah, we know we're cool. Yeah, and just like a jersey we'll swap podcast. in the middle of the casino. We just take our shirts off and swap. <laughs> I'm going to text you right now. Are you free to come on podcast right now? Right now, there's a big fan of yours <laughs> who wants to talk to you. There is a big fan who wants to talk to you. A big fan who wants to his and his huge traps. It's it's going to be so funny because he's going to think it's like some like middle school kid who just loves Chris Murphy and it's a 25 year old man. <laughs> hey how are you buddy um hey chris name? big fan <laughs> hey who are you buddy? Uh, um uh, i had uh so i had um the baseballs and boring this dropping wednesday at some point um i taped it uh former red sox player was uh lefty reliever scott Atchison. <laughs> he wasn't lefty i know what year? Can you guess? What year? Franklin Robbie Ross? This year. Oh. Oh. Brandon Up and Walter. down. Walter. Richard Blyer? No. Blyer. Oh. No. It's not Blyer. Oh, Sheriff. 
Yeah, oh, right. he's cool. Sheriff. He's cool. He's cool. He's, you know why? Because I love the story how he retired and now he's not retired. His he's friend gonna come back. Like, come on, man, get back in there. And he's like, "All right, fine." Can you imagine yeah. being that good at sports that you can just be like, "Ah, fine, I'll go be a major league pitcher." I would give anything to be able to do that. I can't even throw eighty anymore. I used to throw eighty, and now I can only do like seventy-five. No, I mean, without spoiling it, let's just say he wasn't happy how things shook out in spring training last year. Ah, but he yeah. was good in the majors too. I don't get it. Like he, yeah, I never understood. He had really that. good numbers Something. in the minors, right? Yeah, yeah. And then his arm, his arm sort of blew out. Between down, the end. yeah. But uh, yeah, but I just anytime like that's the thing is you see Ty Buttry, Ty Buttry just get signed. You ever yeah, yeah. Kinsler, Kinsler trade, yeah, the, right? Yeah, the Kinsler deal. And he, and he just like retired out of nowhere after being like pretty good in the bigs. And now he signed. Now he signed with Seattle. He's back. Oh, he's in Seattle. That's the pitching well, factory. He'll be mildly. Yeah. I mean, so I love these stories when guys retire because, because it leads to the question of, and this is what I asked Sheriff is that how much, how much does it take to push the button on social media to push that button? Once you push the button, you're retired. I don't care about papers. Once you put it out there, you're retired, you're retired. So there you go. Chris Murphy hasn't got back to me yet. Sorry, Pat. What is this? Can I can I read another right. weird a weird quote from Tom Werner today? This this one I don't get, and I I feel like I keep making the podcast negative, but that's where I'm at. You're, so no, you're about to ask exactly the quote that I wanted to bring up before the show ended. I know it, we, okay. I know you're going there. He says, "In the end, we don't have a line in terms of our payroll that we look at as much as trusting that Craig Breslow is going to deliver on his assurance that we're going to be competitive." Is he? Is that throwing Craig Breslow completely under the bus, or am I way overreacting and emotional right now? No, that wasn't the quote. Can you read that again? Bring up. Yeah, I'll do okay. my quote after. Read it again. Yeah, read it again. Here's the full quote. In the end, we don't have a line in terms of our payroll that we look at as much as trusting that Craig is going to deliver on his assurance that we're going to be competitive. End quote. Well, I mean, I, it's definitely trying to push back on the narrative that they've had a limit on, on, on money, right? They did this with Heim too. They said the same stuff. Why would, why would anyone want to work for the Red Sox if the owners do stuff like that? That's in. That makes my blood pressure go back up. I'm gonna lose it again. Ugh. Do you want Pete Fatsy's brother on? Pete Fatsy's brother. I've been talking about that. I've been saying we got to get Pete Fatsy's brother on. Yeah, that was oh, actually he's great. Our one and two on the bucket list was Chris Murphy and the brother of Pete Fatsy. He's great. And then maybe a David Ortiz. He's, he's interacting. Yeah, he's a P, he's a P one for play Tessie. It's uh, so Pete. Josh Fatsy. Rutledge was a close three. Pete Fatsy's brother, Chris Murphy, David Ortiz. Those are our three in order. Yeah. How about Pete Fatsy? Why isn't he on the podcast? He, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> How do you well, get Pete Fatsy on? Well, you got to get all these guys on. Well, uh, it's again, you're, it, this is sort of like the winter weekend, I feel, for Play Tessie is like the springboards, like the t shirt cannon. Boom. Here it is. Like you guys, you guys don't know because you haven't been out in the wild. You don't know what it's like, how popular you are until you start mingling among the the fans. Look, I'm excited to. to I'm I'm excited to. I'm curious to see if uh, how many people recognize us over there. I I haven't told you this, but good friend of mine, he was on a dating app and he 
had like a, a match and this match likes play Tessie and thinks Coop is attractive. Or Coop. Coop, can we chime come in on, on this? Come yeah, on Coop, in. Coop, come on in. Oh, yeah. It, it... Yeah, so my, my old roommate was like, look at this. And yeah, so. Uh, That's awesome. What? Yeah. Good job, Man. Coop. What a what a cal what a, I can't wait for the play Tessie calendar. Yeah. It's gonna be great. It's, gonna be it's just gonna be good. twelve pages of Pat. <laughs> Pat <Blessman. laughs> and then me in a winter coat. <laughs> what so what let me ask you this. I, and I know I'm obsessed with the week winter weekend because I, I really enjoyed seeing you guys there. Right? Oh, that was the best. Hey, was you're great. coming, yeah. right? You're gonna be there, Rob? Yeah, I'm doing it live. Show. Oh, I okay. You guys like, to, I, oh yeah. The way you were framing the sentence, I thought you were being like, "I'm sad, I'm not there." It scared me for a second. No, no, no. I'll be. I uh, I get the show from one to three. I uh, know. I'm sorry. One to four. That means play Tessie. Three forty-five, prime slot. Hell Let's yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, but it's yeah. So it's uh, but it's it's just good seeing people that you don't like. I was like uh, our guy Chris Henrique. Like good seeing him. Like much shorter than I thought. It's mean. It's mean. You know what I'm excited for? This is the first first time I'm ever going to be in a big crowd with contact lenses. So I'll actually be able to see people and see who's around. Last year, it was literally like being in a fishbowl of just blurriness because I I don't like how I look in my glasses. So I was like, I'm not going to wear them. So I was just blind the entire time. But now I'll be able to see. So I have put in a formal request for you guys to interview Wade Boggs. Oh, oh let's yeah. go. My boy. <laughs> My favorite. Funny, why so, not? funny story about Henrique. I don't know how I've actually never told this on the podcast. I went to a Sox game last summer and it torrential downpoured in like the second or third inning. So I'm out on the concourse walking around, whatever. I just see like a football field away. Everyone's, you know, huddled with like whoever they came with this one person who looks just like Wheezy the Penguin from Toy Story. Just looking around (laughs) and I go, that guy looks weird. I go, is that Chris Henrique? And I walk over and it is Chris Henrique dripping wet. Just goes, oh, hey, man, good to see you. (laughs) Dude, he was the life of the party last year. I, he was. I had such, he was I, uh, allegedly, tearing, allegedly up the dance floor. Yeah, allegedly I had a great time. So I'm excited. Also, to see also I have I have broken bread with him at Twin Peaks in Fort Myers. So wow. which uh-huh. which that will be you guys this year. I am confident. Uh, I had a friend uh, last week or this week who's not really a big baseball fan. And they went down to Florida and they're like, yeah, I'm in Fort Myers. I might actually go to Red Sox spring training. And I was like, you're a little early. <laughs> right <now. laughs> you're like a month and change early, bud. And he was like, oh, okay. So yeah. I should, I should say this is that I've been saying all this, whereas I, there's a little bit of a conflict of interest because a member of my family now is employed by the Boston Red Sox. Ooh. Care to elaborate? Chad Bradford? Yeah. My, my, my wife has signed an agreement with the Boston Red Sox 
to work at JetBlue Park for the entirety of spring training. Oh yes. As, hey, wait, congrats, Jack. Yeah, keep going. I want to. I want to hear what's what's the job. Well, we, we're and not we're it... not we're not positive about the duties yet. All we know is that she will get multiple red shirts. That uh, there's a chance that she a good chance that she'll be a tour guide, fifty fifty raffle person, maybe customer service. So yeah, but she had to sign a deal. Oh, She's yeah. the only one among us who signed a contract with the Red Sox. You should frame it. The- most of the money is deferred to 2034. So yeah, she's on the Cooper hey, Criswell that's deal. Pretty, that's pretty <laughs> early. That's good. That's not too far. It's only ten years. I've Rob, seen worse. Do you, a, do you get a headache doing three hours of radio? Because like I know I've been yelling into the mic and I'm like enraged right now, but my head is like starting to kill me just from the ugh, pure rage. Uh, yeah, I mean, I did four hours yesterday talking Patriots. So I was it's exhausting. Yeah. Oh God. But, but you know, when you're among friends, it makes the time go by really quick. Meanwhile, yeah. like, meanwhile, Coop is sitting there and saying, "When are you guys going to wrap it up? Come on, let's go. I'm tired." <laughs> you know what? I mean, this this is good. This is good. Let's we'll transition into enough said, and I'll I'll go first because I want to read the the quote that I found a little bit interesting is my enough said, and you guys can give me your take on it. I guess I don't have it as a quote, but they, Tom Warner said to uh, Sean McAdam that the sale trade was not about shedding salary as much as it was having more competitive pitching going forward and more control of competitive pitching. Did that catch anyone else's eye? Yeah, that didn't, didn't make any sense. They didn't get a yeah, pitcher for good. him. They haven't gotten a pitcher since. It didn't make any sense to me. I didn't know. If, I don't know. No, I did know. It makes no I, sense. I know. It. I kind of saw that and I did this, this face. I went and then I moved on. I didn't want to decipher any more uh, lingo that I don't understand. I mean, really, like, I, it's great job by Sean of getting Werner, but the, t- the really the two things were the explaining away the full throttle and the in the in the uh, John Henry scheduling availability thing, you know. So those two things, because everything else is, we we don't we can't take anything like literal anymore we can't much like that quote you just said yeah um it's i have really i feel like it was more for me just like a matter of good he talked like i don't even half the time i don't even care what they say i just want them to be like present and accountable do you think it benefited him do i think what what do you think it benefited him gordo uh yeah, a little bit. I mean, he's going to take some heat now, but I think I think the expectation is now reeled in, and I think he showed his face. And I okay. think I I don't think everyone is going to give him credit for it, but I, I'll give him credit for it. There's other people yeah, I think I, that will give him give him credit at least for just showing his face. I'd agree with that, Gordo. I think that, I mean, it, it was honesty. It wasn't like the one thing that always kind of sucked with Heim was that you always got these super vague like umbrella terms. Like if he was asked those questions today, it's we're pursuing all avenues, leaving it at that. Uh, we're we have to develop our young core and like redress the farms. Just like it was kind of always the same touch and go answer with this like just umbrella. But that was the truth. But it was the I truth. know. And then now with Breslow, I mean the truth sucks today. But at least it's not like it's not promising something that's not going to mm-hmm. happen. Where the full throttle comment kind of was. He also, I've, uh, I've, I guess, got thrown I've, under the bus by his 
Oh no, his boss today too. I thought like Heim was one time discovered podcasts. Like that was a good thing. No, I'm yeah. I'm big. I mean, really? honestly, I remember doing that. I don't know if you guys remember. It was at the end of uh, September of uh, two thousand must two thousand twenty two, I guess. And we did a podcast. Was I, up I, in I the broadcast I'm off the, booth. I'm off the market. And, but, uh, oh yeah, I appreciate that was a really good one. And he, he was like, I like that. Like, because it wasn't just, you know, question, answer, question, and everyone's going through the questions. There was sort of, and I, and he said, Hey, listen, this, like, that was when we talked about, well, why don't you sign? Why do you think you're going to sign Devers? And when you didn't sign Mookie and he goes and explain, okay, well, and then you have a conversation about that one question. It's just like any podcast, right? So, and then, you could see him do. He was really willing to do podcasts because I think he liked doing that. I want to get to that point with with Breslow. Like I want to. These are great stories, great stories to have. But I really and I and it's always good to have availability. But the question answer question answer. No, let's have a conversation like we have for the last hour and seven minutes. Right. So, God bless podcasts. Agreed. Agreed. It's it's less a it's a less threatening format, you know. It's less. Well, you can defend yourself. Yeah, and you don't have like a as much of a time limit either. You don't have, you know. Yeah, your words don't get twisted. Like you, you, you just get to speak for yourself. And if yeah. what you have to say makes sense, it'll come across. Exactly. Okay, uh, I'll go with my enough said. This is I was gonna. I was going to get mad at the uh, John Henry scheduling issue thing, but I feel like we'd kind of be beating a dead horse if we complain more. So I got something cool that I think would be cool if the Red Sox did at Fenway. So the Los Angeles Clippers have a new section in their stadium called The Wall. And it's basically like if you're a crazy Clippers fan, you sit in this section, section 51. It's called The Wall, like I said. The rules are... You cannot cheer for the opposing team. You can't wear the opposing team's gear. And tickets can only be resold in the Clippers marketplace. I don't know how they enforce it, but I just thought that was kind of cool. I've never heard of that in like a professional American sports setting. And just thinking about it at Fenway, if we had like one insane section, like the bleachers aren't crazy enough already. Just thought it was cool. I feel, here's my initial thought of that. In Boston, I don't think you can do anything sticky like that like i don't it would come across you're right i don't come across like they're scared i I think it's i think it would be mocked too much to to do that's a good point i mean the clippers are the most obvious second fiddle to the lakers you've ever seen so you know what okay now you've kind of talked me out of it now i don't like it thanks a lot so i think that it's good for a team like the clippers or the (laughs) white Sox or oakland or something like that. If you're, but, if you but the better the better analogy maybe is could something like they do the bird bath in Cameron Yards? Could you find that sort of organic thing at Fenway? Um, yeah. So I don't know. Right? Not not wrong. Not right now. <laughs> no. I want to crash the. Cl- I'd never heard of that. I want to crash it. I want to go decked out in Celtics gear. I'll, I'll bring my like Celtics like chain necklace thing with the big logo on the bottom. Be like, kick me out! What, I dare you. What could go wrong, Gordo? Every the Celtics are universally liked, especially in Los Angeles. So I think you would be fine. Yeah, agreed. 
So we'll have to right. find somebody new for the show if you do that. But uh, yeah, the wall. Pat Rob, I think it- you guys got enough said? Anyone? Yeah, I got one. Little, little bit of a high note, a moral, a moral high. The Red Sox signed Vladimir Asensio, Dominican uh, outfielder from the Dominican Republic. Uh, out of Mejia top 10 training, which is the same academy that McGill Blaze came out of. Number 33 ranked international prospect. Guys, we might be pretty good in six years. It, it's, oh. not, it's not crazy. Oh, yeah. Dude, that's what everyone's saying. Everyone's saying, watch out for the 2030 Red Sox. They're going to be nasty. Um, no one's like that. Go ahead. It's no, like that ahead. Astros cover from Sports Illustrated. Oh. <laughs> that's, dude, that's the most frustrating thing is when I'm talking about baseball on Twitter or with someone and they go, oh, look at the Astros. They're homegrown. Look at the Orioles. I'm like, yeah, they sucked for six years just to have a chance. That's not worth it. But um, Pat, to your comment, I was having a whale of a time reading the comments when the Red Sox announced that people were like, Oh, sick. Another teenager. He probably stinks anyway. Whatever. We're going to suck forever. <laughs> it, but but, but conver- conversely, if I could listen to you guys, the headline Sox all day. Red on. Sox sign highly regarded 17 year old outfielder. Boom. Like, yeah, that's, that's like stealing page views. So oh, yeah. Yeah. But my enough said is this. I just, I just, I am so thankful that you guys are here and you will be in Springfield. Who is everyone going to be in Springfield? Oh yep. yeah. All yes, right. sir. There you go. I will, we will give you our brand new Japanese baseballs and boring t-shirts. Oh yeah. Oh, Let's yeah. go. I still need mine. The I've been hottest commodity one. on the market. Well, it just, it literally just like, like came out yesterday. Do you have the red? I want the the red one so I could match it with my Red Sox hat and wear it to Fenway. Or what, blue. The Japanese one? No, just any baseball is oh, in, right. in red. Right. I want to rep it at Fenway and like look the part. Okay. I'll take well, anything. I don't really care. I'll take them all. Just dripping BBIB swagger. <laughs> yeah. Wait till the BIB. Wait till the uh, baseballs and boring night at Fenway. I cannot confirm or deny. Ooh! And now that I have a family member who is employed by the Red Sox, maybe down in Fort Myers as well. Rob, you haven't previously had the in in the past with this organization, but now you've got the in. This is a big deal. Yeah, I know. This is. I huge. think your foot's this in the is... door here. You might have a thing with yeah. the Red Sox. This is big for your brand. <laughs> can you can you pretend can, can you pretend like you're checking on the fifty fifty raffle results up in Craig Breslow's office, please? <laughs> Can you have oh, Craig God. Breslow announce a 50-50 winner on a podcast <laughs> with me? 